Welcome back, everybody, to Daily DVR. We're putting this up on the True Detective feed as well, so you didn't uh, get the wrong podcast here. But we're going to start off talking about True Detective Night Country today. Of course, you can check us out at dvrpodcast.com. Write us an email at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. I think in the last episode of True Detective, I said dailydvr at gmail.com, which is not it. I should just make, maybe somebody stole that and made it an email. But I'm not alone the, today. Um, on the other line with me is Andy. Andy, how you doing? Well, I spent all morning driving around listening to the Spice Girls, so I'm in a great mood to <laughs> podcast today. All right. Well, tell me what you And yeah, about. you know what? You did say something on that last podcast about the wrong email address. Yeah. But there was so much going on and like... I was telling Heath last night, the or a couple nights ago, that Brett and I's emails was like the Marvel post credit scenes where you did all of our stuff after the credits <laughs> on the tag down to the end of the podcast. So it was it was an awesome podcast. You guys are killing it. So well, thanks, man. It's so fun, and I'm glad people are liking this show. Now I know that there's some, I don't know, as it is, it's like. Uh, no, to, we'll, we'll get into already into dad talk, but we both have <laughs> younger sons. Yours are younger than mine. But one of the reasons why I've always, and I'm not successful lately, try to keep my son away from YouTube internet too much. Like, it's not like a ban, like, oh my God, if you look at YouTube, the earth ends. But it's because everything's based <laughs> on negativity. and uh-huh. And when somebody doesn't like something, burning someone really hard is like everyone laughs oh ho, 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 ho. and a, a big thing i have to teach my son lachlan is hey look that person may be laughing but inside they may be like why is that person being so mean all the time you you know and even yeah. amongst your friends like i have certain friends a hustler who sometimes goes overboard with like the man i'm gonna kick you around well, fuck blah blah you know and you're just uh-huh. like dude calm down like this isn't fucking youtube but i feel the same way about this show which is i was just reading this guy on forbes and of course he's like some geek dude but he's like you know this is the worst show it's pandering to season one and all this weird stuff and it's like i don't know it just strikes me as strange but anyway well, I, th- I think some of that stuff, like, I haven't read the Forbes article, but specifically for something like that, he said that negativity drives clicks. It always yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. And and the other people that are, a lot of other people that are bitching about this are either complaining to complain or they're complaining because, well, the obvious stupid reasons of because it's women le- leading yeah, it. which incels. Yeah. Yeah, which is just ridiculous. So, yeah, I th- I think this season has been fantastic. I mean, this. Especially compared to the show we just finished podcasting about last month with uh, Murder at the End of the World, which I enjoyed. But this is that was a decent show, but this is already it's like on a whole different level. It's like instantly you're like, holy shit, this is I mean, I don't know how the if the conclusion of the story will be satisfying or not. But the, the production values, everything is just acting top notch. So I'm I'm also loving it a lot. I don't understand the negative reviews. Yeah, you know, I mean, as criticism goes, I can understand the idea that a lot of people have become almost immune to aesthetics or to high quality production, right? Like they just don't care. Yeah. And yeah. it it has there I don't know that 
when that happened, I guess in the early 2000s, 2010s, with the advent of so much heavy CGI and even even regular, per- I think when mainstream audiences figured out or were told that regular dramatic productions were also heavily using CGI for backgrounds and for lighting and all that kind of stuff, I think somehow people just became like dulled to it. And mm-hmm. they just can't, no one can tell the difference anymore. Like you watch some Marvel stuff, which we've talked about, and I do enjoy a lot. I want to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Um, but sometimes the CGI, I mean, it really, it's like, it just looks terrible, right? It looks awful and people like it. And then sometimes it looks good and people are like, oh, that looked terrible. And so when a show like this comes along, the relation, the, how I'm relating that is you're right. Andy, this is so, as a filmmaker, as a a film student, as a watcher, as a fan, this is about the highest quality, technical, professional production you can get on television or film. I mean, it's shot by the guy who shot Tar, you know what I'm saying? Which was like the best looking movie of that year. So it's amazing. They just get so many little details. I mean, Heath talked about this a little bit on your last podcast where there's shots like when they're driving into the city and you see it's a complete pitch black except for where you see the town in the distance. And things like, something like that is actually extremely realistic. I live in an area similar to that where it's extremely rural. The closest town only has a thousand people in it. And when I go outside out of my front step, it's all black and I can just see, just like that shot in the show where you can just see the little thing, but it instantly. That that shot there told so much of the story without having any dialogue or without having anybody say, "Oh, this town is so tiny," and all that. You get instantly get it. The like the shots of all the um, another thing of very common in extremely small towns is, and I've seen some people complain about it, is like, "Why are people stockpiling all these all this food, and why do they have so many DVDs and books and all that mm-hmm. stuff?" Well, in small areas like that, that also is telling the story. The production end is telling the story because. I mean, it's changed a little bit now with bigger equipment, but like when my parents were growing up in small towns like this, you had to stockpile food like that because you didn't know if a blizzard would come in and you'd be stuck there for a week. Yeah. Or you 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 had to stockpile books and DVDs and VHS tapes because guess what? We couldn't get cable out here or satellite, so you had to watch stuff on the VCR. If you wanted to watch something or read something, you couldn't just run down to the library. So it's I, I, that's part of why I just the production design I think is really under. Not talked about enough because it's just it's besides the cinematography too. It's just it's it's telling it's helped telling the story in ways a lot of shows don't bother with. So I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up, Andy, because I find that even for myself, we live just outside of Portland, which to some people would be a big city. To me, having grown up being able to see the twin towers from my house in Jersey. It's like (laughs) basically the polar opposite of what I have. Yes. It's like, it's like 10 blocks of Manhattan is makes up the entire city of Portland. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but I have to say just moving out a little bit farther, we moved like 15 minutes out more and we're in a very nice town and it's, you know, it's, I mean, we're, we're nowhere near, it's not really rural though. There are farms right around here. Um, when we moved here and we're like on a hill, we're like, shit, we're, we were happy that they left a, an old refrigerator in the garage and we just started stockpiling shit. Right. Because we're like, yeah. when it ices, when it snows, you know, 
this show makes me think of, and we talk. Well, yeah, and, oh, go ahead. Just say, on that, just on that note, like in my place right here, for example, I've got two refrigerators. We've got three freezers. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's it's harder for us, especially when it's icy out and stuff. It's hard to get places. So that's it was something I wanted to bring up if I ever was on one of these pods with you about True Detective because it's it's extremely realistic to small town living. So anyway, yeah. sorry, continue. No, you're right, and a lot. I we're seeing a lot of people, and we 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 love all feedback. Um, because it really is given so many ideas, but when I see that one, that is, I'm glad you brought up cause I was thinking about it. Um, when we were recording the last episode, which is like moving out here, we had this talk about, I don't know if that's a clue that there's something in the water or something bad is happening. I, like you're saying, I think that that is just an aspect of the production design and of building of world building, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're that's what I'm taking it as yeah. when I'm watching it too. I agree. Yeah. Because we're so involved in what's the mystery happening and there's a corpsicle and there's an, there's a tongue and there's, well, who's this, who's this person's daughter or this, but I almost feel that there's so many mysteries that it's, I'm glad they have to. They're hitting us over the head with the visuals of it is night all the time, and they are in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like mm-hmm. when the guy said, when the people keep on saying this is Ennis, you know things happen like that, right? You see a dead body, or or they say yeah. things like when the night comes, you know things come out, and we see things. We have to think about that and and sink into that world. And understand that, that the location is a character in this show. And um, they're doing a great job of it. I really, I love that. It's not only because I love the cold and the snow and this, you know, (laughs) when it, me, Jenny and I are always arguing where she's like, I hate it when it snows. And I'm like, I hate it when the sun's out. I don't like long days. I don't like it when the sun's out for like 18 hours to me after like eight, 10 hours. I'm like, you're good. Go away. It's time to chill now. Like I always love the night. I had a cousin that got married in Alaska. It was probably right before I got married. It's probably 17, 18 years ago. But when I went there, it was true detective sun country because I was there in August where it was like 23 and a half hours of sunlight. And it was the most insane thing. I mean, it's 1130 at night and there's kids out playing baseball on the street because it's broad daylight. It's just very insane. I I still can't. It's one of those experiences I've never shaken. So seeing the dark side of that is it's it's and I Physically, I could not do it. I mean, it's it would be insane. That's too much darkness. But I could do it. <laughs> I could do it. I could. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know that I. I think a month or two. I don't even think I'd have a problem with it. I think maybe after like three months, four months, maybe I'd have a problem with it. But yeah. um, I lived that way in college. My friend Lou and I always taught. That's what made us like best buds. Is that. We would we were on the we're fucking vampires. Like I literally yeah. do not need the sun. I just don't need it. I I, can, well, yeah, I like to stay up I'm all fine. night, but I I just need a couple hours of sunlight. 
Yeah. <laughs> See? Well, you're good. Maybe I do yeah. need it. See? Maybe yeah. I do, Andy. <laughs> Maybe that's the real secret here is I'm like, I don't need it. And then I'm like, everyone's looking at me like, no, actually, you could use some sun. All right? <laughs> you're, you're, you're fucking translucent. You're white as hell. <laughs> yes. Go outside, dude. You literally look like a vampire yeah. at this point. I could just imagine my wife saying, you can leave the house. It's allowed. Um <laughs> But, uh, okay, we had some great feedback. We're going to talk about True Detective some more. And then um, Andy is going to bring up some shows he's watching. We'll chat about that stuff. But we got I got, we got, some really great comments on our Facebook uh, from Ryan and from Lori. And they're pretty long. And interestingly enough, they both, like, numbered them. Right? Yeah, like the points. Yep. Yeah, I didn't do that. That was not me in the notes. They both did like <laughs> one, two, three, four. So, um, well, as someone who is guilty of been over the years sending in comment or like feedback that could be like a short novella, sometimes if you're spending in that much stuff, you have to number it or put. I like it. Yeah. Because when you're writing it, you, you get confused yourself when you're writing, when you write this much information. So I, think I get it completely. It's a great technique, too, because as a host, it allow it means that if you I'm I would be more likely to pick out a couple that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Whereas if it's yeah. all together, I might just say this is we can't do this one's too much. You know what I'm yep. saying? Um, yep. Because that's always a thing with podcasting is you want feedback and you never want to say to someone that's too much, but you yep. also don't want to. I, I, as a also former journalist and stuff, I always feel weird when I edit people's shit, but you have to. Well, I was going to say, like, you have, well, like, for example, last week, uh, or the one you got, so you guys did a few days ago, I sent in a whole bunch of stuff, but by the time you had gotten to that email, there, you had already talked about most of the points I had. So you had basically, yeah. basically you, when you're hosting it, you have to edit it while you're, I mean, you have to, because what's the point of going over the same things again? So it's, yep. yeah, uh, it's, it's much easier when people send it in like that for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard out there for a pimp ando holding a po- <laughs> pimp on a podcast. Um, all right, let's get into. I don't think ride. anyone is going to confuse us with pimps. So I don't know about that. <laughs> we're just like two of the whitest people you can imagine, we're, aren't we? We're, we? We just said we were vampires. That's true. We're pimp daddies, though, man. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Our sons are going to be like, my dad was a pimp. No, no. <laughs> my dad, my sons can be like, my dad made good chicken last night for me and my friend who came over. Um, all right, here we go. Ryan's comment. I like this too, Ryan, just to start out, though I have a different take on it. Let's see what you have to say, Andy. And again, this is pretty long, so I'm kind of jump around. Ryan says, here's my theory. A group of women are doing this. Annie's brutal murder was the catalyst for all of it. Missing and murdered indigenous women is an epidemic in this area of the world. And the women in this town are sick and tired of everyone turning a blind eye to it. They are using cultural and spiritual fear against the the men. They are taking the control back. He gives some points here. Or she, I'm sorry, I don't know. Or they, Ryan. Uh, the The women in this town are not scared. They aren't weak at all. They control the men in many ways, which is, we see that all the way. Danvers, Navarro, mm-hmm. the bar owner Rose. There's a theme. Peter's girlfriend attempting to keeping, keep him from going back to work, aggressively making out with him, biting his neck so hard he pulls away. 
Uh, rewatch the scene with the cleaning ladies when they're interviewed and asked about the spiral. The younger cleaning lady's face as she's walking away after she's being asked shows that she knew or was scared about what it is. I they, did rewatch that scene after I read this this morning, and I, I agree with him completely on this. Oh, point. I should Anyways, say continue. he didn't say scared. I'm sorry. I misread that. Yeah. Um, Rose knows the symbol, draws it for Navarro. And guess what? She's the only connection to season one and the symbol and what it stood for. Well, we do have the Tuttle. It is possible that in Converse to season one, where men use this symbol as a way of offering young children to the Yellow King, these women are offering dead men to the Blue Queen. I like how Ryan said Blue Queen like I see. I like, that's it, baby. <laughs> I also like that he brought up the thing about the drawing the symbol, because when I watched it again this morning, I didn't, I didn't catch that the first time, but she draws that awfully easily. I mean, if, I, if somebody said, can you just go and redraw that symbol, it would... I, I mean, she just goes zip, 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 and it's an exact replica of the symbol without any struggling or anything. I thought that was very interesting. Anyways, continue. Yes. Good point. Good point. All right. Ryan continues. Um, oh, Rose tries. Number five. To, yeah. Rose tries to convince Navarro to stay away from the case. Why? She knows more. She's the one that led the cops to the corpsicle under the guise of following Travis's ghost. Maybe she killed Travis instead of the cancer, she says. She's clearly <laughs> handy with a blade and gutting the wolf in episode one. It was referenced that these men at the lab never trade posts. They never leave. Nobody goes in or out. The only people that do, the cleaning ladies and the delivery guy. And the delivery guy said he saw someone or a ghost. Who'd he see? By the way, Grandpa James put a great picture of that uh, uh, a yeah, screen grab and it's a weird creature almost like hunched it looks weird I don't know yeah. um, the still shot going around oh maybe the still now they're talking about the still shot going around with the person who crossed the hall during episode one with the coat on most speculate it's Raymond Clark if you focus on the still pick it appears to be more of a feminine figure Raymond was tall based on the pics and video we've seen this figure is shorter the folded clothes at the gravesite. Why fold the why folded so neatly next to the bodies? Who folds clothes like that? Cleaning ladies do. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Episode one, when the guy gets his head bashed in by the older cleaning lady for abusing the younger one. These women are not scared. They're capable and strong. She even mentioned while being interviewed that the men at. Talal Leb never noticed or talked to them while they were cleaning. They didn't even notice them. Interest. That's that's a great point there. And yeah. who is pumping the mysticism and cultural horror of all this? The women. Rose saying she sees ghosts. Explain their different purposes for different ghosts. Peter's girlfriend explaining the grandmother's stories. The tongue. The reference to the cells in it being weird when they did the DNA test. We totally forgot to talk about that. Yep. They did say that. They said there were weird cells in it. Possibly from being frozen, Danvers says, maybe another way to look at it is Raymond Clark's studies in notebook regarding cellular research and the reference to finding a possible cure for cancer and extending life. Was the Talal group taking indigenous women, injecting them with something to test human subjects, and it went haywire? causing hallucinations and other symptoms. I believe Raymond is being held somewhere and possibly being tortured. 
Heck, none of these women lock any doors. That's true. Um, <laughs> That's another small town thing too, actually. It's not so much now. When I was growing up, everyone left their doors open and people just walking in and out of building, out of people's houses was actually crazy common. When I think about it now, I'm like, wow, it was insane. Like in the 80s, <laughs> no one around here ever locked their doors. Thinking about it now, I'm like, wow, it is a miracle. Not more bad shit happened. But that is a thing in small towns. Uh, okay. Well, I... Or extremely small towns, I yeah, I uh, Maybe more remote. Yeah. Because uh, I did grow up in, I guess, a kind of a small town in Jersey, but we, we locked all our doors. But I, but I guess at the same time in New York, Bernard Getz was... Knife yeah. kids, and I mean, we it was it was pretty hectic in New York in the seventies. You're, you're still not that far away from a major. You're still not that far away from a major major metropolitan That's area. True. I mean, it's That's true. Yeah, where they're at, there's nobody within four or five hour drives. Yeah, but you have a better Lego store. Um, <laughs> well, that's true. Um, okay, they aren't scared, even in this area of country, where missing and murdered indigenous women is an epidemic where Annie was brutally murdered and tortured. To me, they're empowered, and the showrunner is flipping the script on this narrative of missing and murdered women and giving power back to them. Um, what do you think overall of what Ryan has to say? I kind of love this. I think it's I think it's a very high possibility. I still, I still have this feeling in the back of my head that all the supernatural stuff is not as supernatural. I think there's still an element of it, but I still can't get over the fact that they're not going to, or not the fact, but I can't get over the idea that they're going to go full supernatural. And I've been looking for, a, that's kind of why like I've stuck with, when I've sent my stuff in and said, I still think it's something to do with the water or underground, something from nature that they unearthed or they got into that they shouldn't have. Not so much a supernatural thing. I think, I think this would definitely fit for that. And it's, it would, it would make sense on the flip, like say flip the, flip the script kind of a thing. I could definitely see that. I, I love a lot of these points. I don't agree with everything, but a lot of it, I really, really, really like a lot. Nice. Yeah, me too. And by the way, Ryan is a dude. I cyber stalked him. He's part of our Facebook group, so I can see. And also an Atlanta <laughs> Falcons fan like Brett. Whoa. Uh-oh. So, all right, go Ryan. Um, I love this. I think that so I think even in the feedback here, Ryan, you may be going back a little back and forth between like, is it, or are, did they all get together? Are they actually meeting? Is there a cabal of, of women who are, are doing this just, and it would be a, it would be a fucking awesome mirror to season one because so much of that was about, right? Like a group, a rich cabal of white old dudes who were freaking like murdering kids, raping women, doing right? Like all that the shit, the classic story. And then to flip that and to have the women take it back, which, um, it reminds me, uh, of uh the movie that sarah polly did um what was her what was i i forgot i think it's uh, called women talking oh yeah yes you're right women talking correct right. it, it, yes definitely reminds me of that so um i i like that idea very much could well they, and it could oh go ahead. i think too i think too with the with the uh revelation of the tuttle corporation or the tuttles being involved in this yeah. as well it, this maybe is some group that formed to fight the Tuttles, and this is them getting back. 
if they're the ones that caused the murder of Annie and all this other stuff, and the the research station is a Tuttle property and all the, and the mine I'm guessing is too, we haven't heard that made that connection yet, but I think we will make that connection. I could definitely see as a, they're 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 sick of this shit and they're not going to take it anymore, and they they bound together to fight back. I just my hesitation or. Not my hesitate, but I'm trying to figure out now the the part of using the mysticism, right, mm-hmm. and the indigenous stories and culture and connection to that stuff as a way to scare, humiliate, or um, or like kill dudes, right? Yep, is an interesting idea, but I almost. We saw Travis, right? Like that's the thing is you never know inside of a story. Yeah. Are you seeing what the person saw? Did she see it? What she wanted people to see? Or do we see it because in, in, in and I don't want to get too meta, but she has the power. So we see it. That's the truth then. But really the truth is something different. You never know. And it's all about how the story is told. Um, what I find to be most interesting here, where it could kind of connect here. See, I happen to think, even though I am a very skeptical person and I, I don't really, I'm not really one to believe in ghosts and, and spirits and things. I think, um, I'm, I would be more of like a, uh, uh, on the side of one day we'll find out that these things are scientific, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, like the the whole thing, like uh, magic or that stuff, is is just a form of science we haven't figured out. Yeah, yet, like of, Arthur C. Clarke said, right? Like any yeah. what any advanced technology appears to be magic or something like yeah, that, or, right? Or alien or something. But yeah. in in reality, it's just we haven't figured it out yet. Right. It's that's, not actually magic. Yeah. Right. That's why I don't deny that people have these experiences. I'm not saying, oh, you're all crazy. There's no such. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm saying no. There's. Like poltergeist, is it from the child, right? Is it a, a, a power, an energy? I yeah. just watched that Entfield poltergeist uh, on Apple. That was awesome. We should we should talk about that later. But anyway, so I like the idea that they're doing experiments. We, I mean, Tuskegee, we know these the kind of things have happened before in America, right? Well, the and the, the experiment thing, too, when they, when they talk about Annie's death, she was stabbed or she had... 32 star-shaped marks on her. And they specifically said star-shaped yeah, marks. Yeah, right. They didn't know what so, was caught, what had caused it, right? Some, So, I mean, maybe they were experimenting on that body back then. I mean, there, there's some stuff there that definitely is going to come back into play. I just don't, don't, There's not enough information yet to even really understand what that could be. But that I like that whole experiment thing, too, as a definite possibility here. Yes, that, I like that very much. And I, I, I think Ryan, it's, I think we're on the same page here and I agree that this is the theme of this season kind of inverting the season one, right. And some of the tropes it had, because we all love season one, but one of the reasons we love anything too, is because it's recognizable to us and it's the way in which it's regurgitated. I was having a talk with this with Lachlan last night at dinner. Where I was trying to explain, th- you know what it was? It was from, he was trying to, s- he had seen on a YouTube video, somebody do the, I'm walking here, right? Oh, yeah. When the cab yep. walks by. 
And Dustin Hoffman did that in Midnight Cowboy, right? Yep. yep. And Tom Cruise did it in Born on the Fourth of July. And Mm -hmm. De Niro did it in like three movies, I think. Um, Yeah, well, and the thing with this, especially as an inversion of the season, I mean, what was one of the biggest themes of season one? Time is a flat circle. Yeah. And we're circling, now we're circling back to season one and we're circling back and it's a a different version of the same story again. Well, all so, art is homage, and yeah. it, it's it's not copying. It's it's the way in which we retell stories to connect with them. So the point, what I was saying with Lachlan, was just that everything, in a way, is something familiar, but it's the way you tell it. So this is a. I think this story is becoming that way for more familiar to those who are watching it. And we're seeing this inversion that the connection to season one, they're not trying to cram a connection in to make it um, more connected. And so they can create a true detective extended universe (laughs) that they can sell on max, though they may be trying to do that at the same time. I mean, come on, let's not kid ourselves. The TDCU. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think, I can't wait to get my Danvers action figure. Um, yes. There, there probably will be one, by the way. True right? Detective Legos. Let's go all yeah. the way. Yeah. Oh, I love it, Ando. Oh, the Corpsicle. That would be some good translucent oh, pieces. I guarantee somebody's going to make that. <laughs> They're um, not going to make a sell of my Lego, but some <laughs> fan will make that for sure. Yeah. Anyway, this is great. Um Ryan, I like this very much, and we'll see how it it comes along. But I kind of do like the idea that the supernatural stuff is real. Even though I'm a skeptic, I kind of feel like that stuff in this world is real. And I do think that I'm, 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 I'm hip to the kind of Stephen King thinning and what she talked about. I know you're a big Stephen King fan, yeah, too. Yeah. And- you know, I was going to mention that too because I loved uh, James's comment that you guys talked about, and that's also—I mean, time is a flat circle is basically the same as "ka is a wheel," which is the yeah. huge saying yeah. in True Detective, uh, and it's not the first. Uh, season three, Stephen Dorff's character was named Roland. I mean, there's yeah. there's dark there's tower. been different dark tower things in this. The thingy is def- I mean. I thought of the same thing. I can't believe I didn't put that in my notes as well, but I'm glad James didn't, didn't miss it because he's just as big of a Dark Tower guy as we are. So, Well, and I also think, though, Andy, that Stephen King, who is a voracious reader of books oh, yeah. from all over the world and cultural stories and folk tales and considers himself to be a folk tale artist, right? Like, yep. I would consider I mean, him that as well. There's yeah. no one more folksy than Stephen King. Man. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly right. He would admit that he, that, that those ideas come from this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That they Absolutely. come from other cultures and other ideas and stories that he's read. So yep. again, we just, it's just sharing it in different way. And like, you know, the different regurgitation of these kind of themes, archetypes, stories that we connect to. Yes. Um, but this is great stuff. Great. I like ah, the last thing. You're number nine with the DNA and the tongue and the taking the women. And then that kind of would explain why Clark had to get that different trailer to meet up with Annie. You know what I'm saying? It was that were they having a liaison? Was that was it a romance or was it that? He was trying, she was trying to basically stop them in some way. And he agreed with her. You know what I mean? And then maybe Mm -hmm. he was, or she, 
Go or she was trying to do. She was part of this other group of women and trying to basically go undercover to try ah, and take this them down or something. I, I mean, like that. That that yeah, it could be the cabal of of masked women, like in a kind of eyes wide shut like ball, but but in reverse, and all the dudes are just naked. Um, yeah, there we go. That could be true. <laughs> that could, that could happen. Ryan, well, thank and you, you know, so much. What, you know, one of those questions that we all had too is why would they fold their clothes? Maybe I mean there's another reason why men like to get naked. Maybe they were trying to tempt them. Uh, granted, there was terror going on, so probably not at that point. But oh, temptation—that's interesting. Yeah. The sirens of some sort. Yeah, you know? I don't. I don't know if that fits with the uh, like the terror and everything we saw minutes before that happened. So, but it's just an interesting idea. Yeah. Um, all right, Lori has uh, has some many comments, and we will go through them. Um, hers are more esoteric more um just like quick glimmers of thoughts that i said i'm gonna try to to make sense of as we go through the twist and shout song at talal station and danvers flashback and more gruesomely by the corpsicle survivor anders lund what does that mean um, was it was it played again? I don't remember it being played twice. I don't know. But. Maybe he was twisting and shouting because they twisted his arm. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, his arm was twisted good. and then we he shouted. Fi- that all right? We're gonna figure out was, her comments. That was, good. That was yeah. very good. The snowflake <laughs> on the red sweater of Leah's girlfriend and the snowflake icon at, at Talal Station. There are snowflakes hanging as decor at the rink. Also, some ice references. The rink says, have an ice day. There is framing of the scene from the police sign as she was telling Peter that the Tuttle information was not helpful. It just shows the ice in the police sign for a few seconds. I think I missed more ice references. Ice also stands for in case of emergency. Interesting. Yeah. They're, they're putting a lot that, that type of uh, mise-en-scene and, and putting things within the frame. I like that. Yep, very subtle implanting things. Yes, I like that too. At the corpsicle site, there are five pairs of pants on site and three shoes missing. The scoreboard at the rink has a score of five home and three guests. <laughs> <laughs> Lori's fucking like a genius with this shit. Yeah. The supply guy, Wallace, said it's a long night and even the dead get bored. He said this as he was stocking a vending machine full of snacks. You could see next to his face a bag of Funyuns <laughs> right when he says he saw somebody at the station to Officer Peter. The same snack he brought to the Talal station the day before for Emerson. Interesting. Very interesting. So what what's up with Funyuns? Is there a Funyun well, connection? I do enjoy Funyuns, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not much of a Funyun fan. I, I don't have them all the time, but they're a nice change of pace. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're, you know what? They're very distinct, right? When you're having yeah. a Funyun, you know you're having a Funyun. Yeah, exactly. Right? I like that. Um, Tuttle United seems to fund Talal. It's quickly dismissed, reminiscent of dismissing Tuttle involvement in the first season by a superior in the police. That's true. That's very yeah. true. Good call yeah, I think there's there's something going on with the police department, and we just I don't just we don't know if the like I think you guys have mentioned it is um, what's his name's character the one that was hiding the I can't think of what his name is right now Eccleson hiding the yeah when he was hiding the evidence and stuff is he being 
oh hey being paid off by yeah yeah, Hank, yeah yeah by being paid off by somebody or to i mean somebody in the in the police department is either corrupt or knows more or is part of it or something there's something there i think for sure yep uh, that was actually i should give credit to alex that was alex's note um that hank may have been not only that yeah. but they said there was a flood that caused them to move the evidence so oh, I missed that line. Yeah. Okay. So could it have been that he did the flood so they could get the evidence out? Yeah. Right. On purpose. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and it's and just I'm looking at the Facebook. Shout out to Kim. Uh, she says she's watching uh, season four with us as well. Um, okay. Here, let's get back to. Uh, Lori mentions a lot of shots of bo- bottled water, bulk groceries in people's places. Um, Donnie, the school teacher said to Danvers that the Talal researchers were madmen at the 1010 mark, meaning the time code. Donnie, time stamp, yep. Donnie stated they acted differently than typical researchers being reclusive and how they stuck to themselves. No one went in, no one went out. That's the time 1010 on the clock in Quavik's kitchen when Navarro was talking to him about the trailer and she figured out the Clark and Annie connection and their secret meeting place. Interesting that things are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think stuff like this is on purpose. I don't think Lori's just reading into it. too. Yeah, much. I, I, I think there's there's got to be some. No, and I'll tell you, Matt, th- this is. The the act of filmmaking is an act of insanity of remaking the world. And when you do it, whenever I shot stuff, I can't tell you how many times I put AE35 in something or wrote it on a piece of paper and put it on a desk, which is, you know, the unit that fails in 2001. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> the AE35 unit, all this kind of stuff. It's all this stuff is all on purpose, folks. People who are on the internet going like, well, this isn't some people, maybe sometimes it's just there, right? Yeah. As a, it doesn't as, have any deeper meaning, exactly. but it's put there on purpose. Yeah. It's a mirror. It's just supposed to be, it's, it's a, it's a bit of causality. It's a bit of like um, serendipity that is, that's created within the show to mimic the way we feel that in real life, mm-hmm. you know, and all filmmakers, production designers, all that shit is real. Everything, you know, so I like that you're picking this stuff up, Lori. Um, now, but, but then of course we get to number seven, which says this is really reaching for some oddball <laughs> number co- connections. The ice core sample in Clark's notes that Danvers is looking at is sample K23 underscore 0096. It's a ribosomal DNA section which can be used to study evolution. At, at, the, at the minute and 36 or 96 seconds mark is where Danvers stops them from chainsawing in the ice too close to the corpsicles. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> right. Ribosomal DNA is in all living things. There are some DNA section notations in Clark notes, such as 615 and C1853. They could reflect back to Danvers in the classroom with Donnie and the teacher. Maybe this is important to note the importance between cultures and the deaths. I don't know. Interesting. When you go back to Mark 615, Danvers is in the classroom on the wall as a poster with the earth rotating around the sun. 
Interesting. Along with time zones of the United States, Danvers is standing by the poster in the classroom and she's waving the kids out of the classroom. When they're gone, she turns to look at the poster close up. At the 6.53 mark, if you use military time, she removed her hat in the classroom as an officer would do when showing respect and announced someone is deceased. She's letting the teacher know the researchers are dead. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Here's another stretch. There are numbers written on Clark's trailer, 89V10. At the 120 mark, Danvers said we should send this back to Anchorage about 10 seconds later. 10 V she decides to keep the case. Um, and then she says, this isn't such a stretch. The dolls in Clark's trailer remind me of the dolls in season three. That's a good call. Mm -hmm. Forgot about that. Yeah. Um, great, great stuff there. Lori. Love it. Very much. You know, when we were going through some of this stuff too, I stumbled on a couple other things after I was, after I was listening to your podcast or the, after I listened to your guys' podcast, I just kind of was doing some reading. I don't remember where I stumbled on it, but there's some interesting stuff going on with the names in this show, too. I don't know if you've heard anything about this or read anything about this. Um, it, I specifically noticed it with the kid is named Darwin. That didn't that didn't really I mean, Darwin, who is evolutionary. I mean, that big that whole big thing. That, I mean, that's his whole in history. One of the one of the people in the station was Ralph Emerson. Oh, Ralph Waldo yep. Emerson yep. is also a very fan. I mean, Famous for transcendentalism, I think is how you say it. I always get that one mixed up. But I mean, and I looked up what that, like a boiled out, simplified version of that it says the people that were into that in that time, a key belief was that each individual could transcend or move beyond the physical world yeah. of the senses into deeper spiritual experience through free will and intuition, which I thought was another very, I mean, I, I don't know if that's just to throw people off the set, but you don't name somebody Ralph Emerson without. No, I mean, that's a pretty I obvious think, one. Yeah, th but this is how you create a world, right? And yeah. I think that's why some of this stuff is just there. And they say, mm -hmm. hey, we did that before. Let's do it again. And the one other one, Ray Clark or Raymond Clark. If you Google Raymond Clark, there's a Raymond Clark that at Yale University killed a student named Annie. Really? Yes. Well, I'm it's sad one of the to hear first, that, but that's... One of the first Google results that comes up is him murdering a student named oh Annie. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, I, that had to have been where that came from. That can't be a coincidence either. Wow. Yeah. I like this kind of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. I dig it. All right. True Detective Baby. Hey, um, we're going to talk about some podcasts, uh, some other TV stuff. If you'd like to continue listening to us, it gives you a little example of what we do at Daily DVR a lot as well. Actually, upcoming next a week in eight days, we're going to be doing our best TV of 2023, which is going to, that's like a super three hour long podcast. That's a big one. That's a bit of a commitment for a new listener if you are one. But um, we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. But Andy, I'm going to throw it over to you. What have you been watching? What do you want to talk about? Well, that was, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do some of this because I've got a couple shows since that was come, that podcast is coming up. I've been blowing through lots of shows from last year. To try it just in case they might make it. And I've watched some that I thought were worth noting, but I don't think they're going to make my list. That's a couple of the ones I wanted to talk about. The first one, have you watched any of, I know you're not a big animation guy all the time. So have you watched any of Scavenger's Reign on Max? I have. I briefly mentioned it on a podcast when it first came out. Maybe it was with you. No, who? 
I think I. No, I don't remember if it was with me or not. Maybe it was. I. Th- I mean, it came out quite a few months ago, so I. Yeah, I mean, you maybe didn't. I this, don't remember it. This is really interesting. This is like the the. I guess it's not. It's like sci-fi body horror kind of like where. Well, it's right like techno organisms. If I could, if I, if I can, and part of the reason I want to bring this one up first is because it reminds me a lot of the thing, which the season of true detective, there's a lot of nods to the thing in it. Also Prometheus annihilation, um, uh, a little bit of Miyazaki, which I'm not a huge Miyazaki fan, but his influence is definitely on this. And then yeah, haunting. the, the other, the other great way I heard to describe it. I, I want to say it was maybe David Chen, maybe that said this, somebody else was watching and he said, Imagine it, you know, the famous line from Avatar when um, when the, the colonel or whatever, I can't think of the military guy says everything on Pandora will kill you, except when you get into Avatar, nothing really kills you on Avatar and on Pandora. But at this show, everything, the planet they're on, everything will actually kill you. And everything's extremely dangerous. It's very sci-fi. Yeah, there's body horror, like you said, very sci-fi, very interesting. I think like Brett, if you listen to this, Brett, you should watch this show. I think you would love it. I'm pretty sure you are a huge Annihilation fan. That's what they give me the biggest vibes of Annihilation. But I know it's a very interesting sci-fi horror-y kind of thing. So I don't know. I just wanted to put it out there for people if they hadn't watched it. Yeah. So the premise, I believe, is that there are people trapped on their, like, it's a future and their spaceship crashes on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the loose premise. And yep. on this planet, there are like techno organisms, like organisms that blend organic structure with technology and metal. And it's just a different, it's, it's a very. And with, and with other organic, but they can combine with. It's it's, really interesting. And it's a pretty deep part. It's not a kid's, it's not an anime. It's not a kid's show. It's a pretty no. deep show, and it does remind me a lot of, uh, you know what? It kind of harkens back to Fantastic Planet, the fr- that French oh, cartoon yeah. back in the day, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Um, some of that stuff in the 70s. I thought it's really interesting. I found it hard to connect to it. I have to kind of sit and concentrate on it, you know? Um, well, I, I watched it while I was building my uh, Raiders of the Lost really? Ark Lego set that I got for Christmas, so... Okay. I mean, I was still paying attention, but I had the TV like a two feet away from my face, so it, I couldn't. It's, so yeah, it's and it's one of those shows you got for the a lot of it. You just kind of vibe in the world. You, yeah. It's there is story things going on, but it's not like it's not like True Detective where it's one th- bang, 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 and all these things are happening. You really have to pay attention. So I, it's more. It was definitely okay. more of a vibe type of show. I thought, but maybe I'll get back to it because you know what, Andy? I know you and I, as people might tell already, we love Lego. <laughs> and um, I'm. Oh, yeah, uh, and you know what? You never know. You never uh, mentioned it was Lego and True Detective last. last I know. Night. I can't. I I can't even when th- when things <laughs> like that happen. My brain kind of, you know, like I got it threw me off completely. Distracted me. I, so I. <sighs> I just start thinking of things. I, I'm, I've been sending pictures, Andy. I'm trying to make the Lego Viking <laughs> village bigger. And, um, I came, I got more pictures to send you, Andy. I came up with an awesome tree, like a base to the tree. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't even know why I started talking about that. Um, <laughs> oh no, but, but often I like last night I wanted to watch, um, what's it called? Air command. What's the Apple, the new Apple. Oh, um, 
is it Masters of the Air? Masters, or Masters of, of Flight? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, Masters the of, of the Air. It's not the best named show, and it's kind of the third in the Pacific and Band of Brothers series. Band of Brothers was first. Yeah, um, in the Pacific. It, yeah, it's it's it has the same. I think Spielberg and Hanks are producers, except it's not on HBO. It's on Apple. I, I think by the, when at the time they approached HBO, they were going through all the fucking Warner Brothers shit, and they didn't want to put that much money into it. Yep. So they went to Apple, and it's pretty good. It's got the Elvis guy in it. He's decent. Oh, um, I can't remember what Austin yeah, Butler. Awesome, Master, yeah, Masters of the Air. Yeah, you're right on the Masters name. of yep. the Air. And um, I was watching it, but I and I was building, and I was like, "Gosh, I like." I most of the time when I'm building Lego, I have to watch like a reality show or something that I don't have to look at a lot, you know, because. Yep. When Master of the Air, I actually felt bad because some of the fight scenes are awesome in the air, and uh-huh. it's like it begs my attention. So then I stopped, and I've been watching my favorite thing on on uh, Max is the Great Pottery. Uh, oh I yeah, what it's called like the Great Pottery mm. Throwdown. I think it's called. <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I've seen the little thing come up on my screen yeah there's like seven seasons of it and they're just making pottery and it's awesome and every time they make a really nice piece the host the dude cries and he's like this is beautiful and it's uh you can definitely see that's because they're like making something as i'm making something you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah oh for sure that's a digression there but what else did you want to talk about andy um another show that i thought was really interesting that i hadn't watched any of and it's i had this finished its, I think it was its fourth season. And I just, it is such a weird show. And I don't think I've heard anybody really talk about it, at least in our circle of people. And it's definitely not going to make my top 10, but The Righteous Gemstones. Have you watched any of this show? I watched the first season when it came out. What did you think? Um, Well, now I grew up a Catholic, not evangelical. Yep, right. that's so, I. <laughs> so it's a different kind of like church and Jesus and everything than I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, it, I didn't connect in the sense that when they were making the religious humor, I can kind of get, you know, it's funny. Right. And like the satire yeah. of it. Um, yeah. but I guess for me at that time, and I think they had just finished doing Vice Principals. Yep, I think it was the follow-up to that. Yeah, and they are great. That's a great team of dudes. They make funny stuff. It's a lot of the same actors and actresses and writers and directors that work together. Uh, like who David Gordon Green and him. And who who's the guy who created all of that? Um, is it? It's no, not. What is it? I, no, I, what the heck is that guy's name? Well, oh, um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue because yeah, he's even in some of that bride, shows. Uh, Jody, Jody Hill. That's or it. Jody, Jody, Jody Hill. Something. I'm sorry. There we go. Because they all came up together, right? So yeah. David Gordon Green, Jody Hill, Danny McBride, and Danny McBride works with Jody Hill mostly on TV, but also they started out with the Foot Fist Way which was a fucking awesome movie. If people haven't seen it, that's like Danny McBride's coming out movie. That's, um, but then he also works with David Gordon green and they wrote like, you know, Danny McBride, like co-wrote some of those Halloween movies. 
And he, co- I think, didn't he do some writing on one of the Alien movies too? He was in one of the last Alien movies. He may uh, have Covenant. I think he was in that one, wasn't he? Or the one that after Prometheus, whichever one that one. I, <laughs> I think it was Covenant. I I get those two mixed up. Yeah, I do um, too. But yeah, but you know what it is? A little dark for me sometimes, you know? So I think at that time, for some reason, I I was just, it didn't, it kind of hit me in a way where I was like, yeah, this is funny, but it was also a lot of characters who were really ultimately very sad. And Yeah, well, it's very you know. sad and they're really, you don't really <laughs> like any of the characters. I, it's a show that I'm so emotional. I'm still thinking a lot about I and I, I watched all the way through. I mean, it helps that it's the only most of them are 30 minute episodes, which helps. And I, I will anything with I mean, Walton Goggins isn't in every episode, but he's in quite a few. And he's playing just the most insane over the top character you can imagine. Yeah, so I'm a huge Goggins awesome. fan. Yeah, he is. And awesome. I, John Goodman also I just always love. And yeah. there, it's one of those shows where a lot of the time I'm like, so, so on it. And then every once in a while, there'll be a one or two episodes a season that I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. It's not enough to be like one of my top tier shows, but I'm definitely kind of glad I watched it. But it's, I mean, it's, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is always a good thing, but there's all, I mean, it's also I say it's extremely over the top and it's insane in the way that McBride always is. So if you don't like Danny McBride, I don't think anyone's going to like this if they don't, if they can't stand McBride, because I know a lot of people can't. So it's, I don't know. It's just, a show that I was very, I don't know, I, I just had a dead spot for a couple weeks in December where I didn't, there wasn't really anything else I was watching. And I just kind of, I don't know, I was, I thought it was worth mentioning. Not a great, great show, but a show that has really good moments of brilliance. And Steve Zahn was really great in this last oh. season. He was, he had a major role. So he was, he was very, very good in it too. They, they cast interesting people to just come in and out for a few episodes here and there. So it's a fun show. Um, And I was going to say, what else? Oh, Another couple, two other shows. One that uh, you and Heath have talked about a little bit about halfway through, halfway through the series. Did you finish Fargo? And what did you think of this season? Okay, um, my wife and I. This is a show I've been watching with my wife. Mm-hmm. We have not finished it. We got. Mm. I think there's what are there eight episodes? Uh, it's either eight or nine. I think maybe okay. eight. I don't remember. We did four. So, okay. uh not my favorite. I know, and I know I was just talking about high-quality production. This is a great production. There's great acting, writing, directing, really high-quality. But for me, it is so – it's just the same thing. And I get a little bored with it, and I kind of – I almost feel like I knew exactly what was going to happen within the first maybe 15 minutes of the first episode. Uh-huh. And it, it just, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong and maybe, and we'll probably end up watching more of it because we watched the other seasons. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I love Noah Hawley. He's great, but I don't know. I just, for some reason it didn't connect. Even though I love John Hamm in it too. He's playing a great role. Well, cause I, I, I haven't watched. I've watched the first, all the first season, and I think the second season, but I did not watch season three or four at all. And I just jumped back into this one. I think it might have been after I heard you guys talking about, it, or somebody else talking about it. And a lot like the gemstones, there was there was episodes that I thought were amazing and moments that were really amazing, 
as a whole, it didn't really quite gel as a, one of the best of the best, but I actually did like the last couple episodes a lot. thought there was some pretty awesome action and some, it took a few turns that I wasn't expecting, but okay. that might be because I didn't, I hadn't seen all the rest of the season. So I'm not sure. And the other, the other crazy thing, I remember you guys making fun of or talking about, uh, what's her name's accent. Um, who, uh, what's her name? Um, she always talks with the, his girl Friday accent. Um, oh yes. Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Jason, Jason Lee. Lee. Yeah. Living, living in Minnesota. I actually know people that have talked with that, that same, I think that's why she really? was cast. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Andy, well, you're giving us some real life. We apologize <laughs> then my ignorance stood out on that, in that count. Then, I mean, huh? it's, I don't know a lot of people that talk that way, but I definitely know a few, especially older women from an older generation and older than her. She's taught. I don't know anybody because she's not that old. And people oh. that I know that talk like that are much older, like in their 70s and 80s. Oh, so, but yeah. it's she's this, it's that movie, um, the vicious circle she did back in the day, or I can't. Well, remember. she really did it in that Cohen's brother movie. Um, wasn't that her in the one with uh, Tim Robbins, the hula hoop one? Oh, Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, wasn't that her in that movie? Yes, you're right. Yeah, and she talks like that, like hardcore in that movie. So, man, IMDb is so glitchy. Every time I'm trying, I got to find a new thing to look people up in because this thing is always like trying to sell me something more than let me look something up. I was going to say there's so many ads on it now, it's hard to navigate around the damn thing. Yeah, because I was going to look. What was the name of that? freaking movie she did where she first did that accent i remember i don't know why i think i had like an ex-girlfriend or something who like made me watch that movie or wanted i shouldn't say made <laughs> me but who wanted to watch that movie and the accent just drove me nuts man i'm going bad this was wait a second am i getting her wrong mrs parker and the vicious circle yep 1994 oh, yeah. She okay. plays Dorothy Parker. Alan Rudolph directed it. Okay. Campbell yep, Scott, Matthew yeah. Broderick. Dorothy Parker remembers the heyday of the Algonquin Round Table. That's what it was. A circle of friends whose bobbed wit, like hers, was fueled by alcohol and flirted with despair. Um, I just, <laughs> I can't do that. I just, it, yeah. to me... Oh, I- I knew exactly what you were talking about what when you were chaos. talking about it because oh a lot God. of times it annoys me too. But holy shit, I'm looking at okay. This is the cast of of this may be one of the greatest casts of when was this eighty four? Holy ninety four. That movie's not okay. I was say, that's not from the eighties. Yeah, there you 94. go. Ninety four. Check right. out this cast, Andy. You ready? Yep. Jennifer Jason Lee, Campbell Scott, Matthew Broderick, Peter Gallagher, Andrew McCarthy, Jennifer Beals, Wallace Shawn, Martha Plimpton, Lily Taylor, Sam Robarts, James Legros. I never know how to pronounce this right. Gwyneth Paltrow, Nick Cassavetes, Heather Graham. That's a lot of fucking people. That's a lot of 90s motherfuckers. Yeah, that's very 90s. Oh, my God. Wow. Holy cow. But anyway, yeah, I can't. So you think it's worth finishing? Because I heard that the finale, we're talking about Fargo now, the yeah. finale was really good. Yeah, I, I really, heard. really enjoyed it. And it wasn't, I it, the very end wasn't as, I mean, you could kind of tell where it was going when it got there, but I, you couldn't really, it wasn't as predictable as I thought it was going to be. So 
parts of it were, but I ended up really, I like I say, I, I liked a lot of it. I didn't love it as a whole because there was definitely lulls and other things that weren't so great. But I thought it was, I thought it was a, a pretty decent season of TV. I thought it was worth watching. So, um, let's see, I only had, oh, I got one other one too. I was going to ask you, what were your thoughts on Monarch? Oh boy. So I did finish this. <laughs> yeah, um, I did too. My wife dropped out a little at a little more than halfway through the season. Uh this was not good. Uh, I I I hate to say. <laughs> I was going to say my wife didn't even start it, so Yeah, you know, one mic gets the uh gets the win on this one where he was like, this looks like garbage. And I, you know what, my friend, <laughs> hot garbage is more likely a, a better way to describe it because I, it was, I wish the, I wish the, the, the potential of using Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell uh, together to play it. I wish that would have been saved for something. That else. is all we needed. You see, this is what was the problem is I tuned in to watch a story where Wyatt Russell was a young Kurt Russell. And then once we, okay, episode one, we meet these three, I'm going to call them kids, even though they're all like 30, three of the most insufferable, annoying, know-it-all, over-emotional TikTokers. We have to follow them around for the first episode. And I think, okay, now that we found Kurt Russell, we're going to dump them. But no, they literally let Kurt Russell go off and do an entire other storyline. Spoilers for a show you don't want to watch, by the way. Uh, an entire <laughs> other storyline where he make where he partners up with this and the monarch, blah, blah, blah. But we don't see any of that because we'd rather see these two kids yell at each other because their dad had two families. Not I, I, this is something I never understood in my entire life. When when this ha- when like displaced anger like this, your uh-huh. dad goes to fucks and go, fucks around and creates another family, another country. You then meet the offspring of that kid. This is like the this is like the two um, clones in Invincible. I'm the original clone. No, I'm the original clone. <laughs> right? You're right. You're so right. I'm the original clone. They did that for the entire ep ten or nine or whatever an insufferable number of episodes I had to sit through this. And not at one point did they look at each other and go, "Why are we mad at each other?" Like our dad did this. This has nothing to do with well, us. And- you know, it, and obviously I can't put myself in that position because I it didn't happen to me. But I, wouldn't you be a little bit excited if you found you had a long lost? Yes, sibling? that's the other thing, too. Like, they're so dour and serious. Yeah. And oh, my gosh. And her friend or the girl that I guess he was kind of having an affair with. And then she's the computer hacker. She uh-huh. is, was one of the worst written characters. And I recognized the actress i had seen her in other stuff and she is a very good actress this is not her fault and they made her horrible like she actually uh, she actually reminds me a lot of um uh, why am i blanking on her name from westworld and from uh valkyrie on the thor movies uh what the heck is her name i'm completely tessa thompson 
Tessa Thompson. She reminds me a little bit of. Yeah, mm, interesting. She does. She. I, I like. I love Tessa Thompson. So I was. I, I, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for what I, I wish I had had the actress's name on the tip of my tongue. But for Monarch, I, I yeah, I still I saw her in something else, and she was really good. And um, mm-hmm. she's actually quite accomplished as an actress. She's been in a lot of stuff for her age. But this was just like one of those roles. Kiersey Clemens is her name. Yeah, they they just screwed her over. Really, it was that yeah, was it's... bad writing and direction in in that case, or I should just say misplaced. It was it didn't work. You oh know, God, she was in work. I know where I've seen her. She was in The Flash. Oh man, she was also doing Dope though. That was a good movie. That's dope. She was good. She wasn't bad in The Flash though. No, she was good. It was just. It was just. It was the Flash, is what I was thinking of yeah. that I'd seen her in before. Yeah. So, um, uh, what a disappointment. So, I, yeah, I, I really because I love the Godzilla shit, but you know what? I really want to see Godzilla minus one. Which yeah, I've, it's going to come. I've talked to, to a few people that have seen it, and they Ooh. just have raved. That's I all I got was you. You need to go see this now. Well, it's, it's interesting. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, some of the Monarch stuff was cool though, right, Andy? Like yeah, some of it was interesting. There was parts of it that I liked, and like I say, I liked I liked Kurt, Kurt Russell. I Kurt Russell's one of those guys that I will always watch whatever he's in, and I I always like his part, or I like him in parts, even if it's a bad thing. So it's I just I wish the Wyatt and Kurt thing would have been used on something better than this. This is my my big thing. Yeah, there was another version of that, but this is one of those shows where. I don't know. It's almost like a subgenre of streaming shows where they're like, we're going to remake the show, but it's really about the kids. Yeah. We're going to right. We're bringing everybody back, but they're only on screen for two minutes, uh, an episode. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. And I, usually I can spot it, but they did a fairly good job of hiding that in the trailers mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, the promotional they, they, just, they give you a taste of what you like. And that's about it. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the Marvel shows are guilty of that. I think. And it, where, it, it was sad too, because I, you know, we both are huge Apple TV plus fans because they yes. got the good sci-fi baby foundation, all mankind. Yes. I, I, that's actually another show. I, I don't want to talk about it now because I have not finished yet, but I'm still trying to catch up and prep for next week for our top 10 but i am mowing my way through for all mankind i'm only in season three right now okay i am loving that show so far so that's i'm hoping to get that finished before we before the top 10 podcast just in case it makes it i don't know yet but now if there is a season two of monarch because i bring this up because you bring up for all mankind for all mankind Mm -hmm. If you're past season one and into season two you know this already which is Mm -hmm. that season one was much more of a drama and it becomes more of an action sci-fi adventure Adventure. yeah i was gonna say adventure yeah for sure in season two and and i uh, think so far in season three it even increases that even more than season two at least so far and and then season four is just like season three so they found okay. the, they found their footing and they're going. Some people were a little disappointed. Sepp and Wall had a bad review of the finale, but that dude's yeah, been well, sour since fucking COVID or something, man. Like something I said, the, the, we've had we've talked about him occasionally over the last few years, and I've I've been kind of soured on him for a couple of years at this point because that's I I think and I think some of it too is when you watch that much stuff, it's so easy to get 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Lost yep. in things. That's so, a great yeah. point. Peak TV. He had to watch 500 scripted shows a year, you know? Yeah. Well, um, and like with For All Mankind, like what you're saying, I think that's why I'm able to power or not power through. But like the first season, I it was one of those shows where I knew it was good, but it took me a long time to get through season one because, I mean, it was like eating a steak every night for dinner. Yeah. Where it was it, just and it was mm-hmm. it was all to a point where sometimes where it was like, oh, God, well, just well, it, it's, it needs to move a little bit more. It needs to be yeah. I need to switch it up just a little bit. And then season two did that. I love season two. I think I like season two more than season one. So it's and I definitely am enjoying it more and more and more. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that it continues on down that road. Yeah. They laid it on very thick in season one and the premise that goes along with the title for all mankind, which is that women would be openly integrated into NASA at a very early time, because we all know there were a lot of women at NASA. It just wasn't as open, right? And they weren't celebrated Mm -hmm or given positions of power. And in this show, they are. Um, and well, then, and the, the main conceit too, is that the Russians get to the moon first. Yes. Alternate and that's kind of what sets, that's yeah. what sets everything yeah. in motion. Basically. It forces America to confront itself in a way. Right. And, and, and since they got there first, the space race continues because yeah. there it's not one t- one side doesn't just give up and run out of money. So, but they really, they really let that premise go a bit in season two instead of instead of I think in season one going for some pretty typical stories that you would expect from a sci-fi show that was going to say maybe a kind of it seemed to me a little bit like a show about women written by men. And then in yeah. season two, <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. And then in season two, they were kind of like, let's kind of just like be ourselves and be, and just have the women be in powerful positions on the show. And that's just how it is without mm-hmm. making storylines that highlight this in a way to make it obvious to the audience. And they did, I think a much better job of that. And then you end up, I think in season four where, when I really think about it, like there's like three or four women who really are the stars of the season. Um, and then you have Joel Kinnaman who's still sticking around. And I love that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, crazy, even in season man. three, I mean, I'm only about halfway. I'm well, well, this isn't really a spoiler. I mean, I'm, I, the last thing I saw was the two ast- the astronaut tumbling on the surface of Mars. Is the first that's the last episode I've watched. So, oh, okay. but even even to that point, the women are basically the star of the season three yeah. as well, for sure. So, yeah, it's so bad. yeah, I'm, they 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 yeah. figured it out. They figured mm-hmm. it out, and it's uh, from what's his name, Ron um, Ron Moore, Ron yep. Moore, who did, of course. You know, man, I really want to go back and watch. I should watch Battlestar Galactica again. What a great show! There's yeah, it wasn't perfect, but it was really good. And one of the major minds behind Deep Space Nine. Yep, yep. Yeah, DS9, the guy's baby. The guy's awesome. The uh, the only other things I wanted to talk about, unless you got to get going, I got a couple no, other quick things no, we could talk about. Not at all. So I've also been watching some movies. Okay, I like that. And first of all, we don't need to talk about this because you and Solo talked about this quite a bit, and I already know your opinions. But I think you are dead wrong about Oppenheimer. Oh, I think okay. I, I fucking loved. 
Oppenheimer. I I'm think glad it, you it's my it's it's my favorite Nolan since The Dark Knight. And wow. it, I mean, I just I really, really, really loved it. I was wait a I was second. Going does, in, that, does that top Inception? Yes, for <gasps> me, yes. Whoa. Okay, I think Inception is him at his bestest. This, my my top three Nolans. And I like Inception, but my top three are actually Oppenheimer, Dark Knight, and The Prestige. Oh, I got to rewatch The Prestige. I really I just, should. It's been a and while. And I haven't, I haven't watched that one in a long time either. But I just, I still think about that movie from time to time. So it's, I just, I love that movie. I, I mean, even a bad. Well, there's no such thing in my mind as a bad Nolan movie. But I, I mean, I'm, I've always liked his movies. So I just, I loved Oppenheimer. I thought it was awesome. I loved the pulse. I loved the. It was a, it was a three hour movie to me that didn't feel like three hours at all. Um, as opposed to another three hour movie that I watched last night that <laughs> I'm just, I think it should be subtitled Marty needs an editor. Oh yes. Okay. Well, we agree on that one. Um, yes. Yeah. Fair. Holy smoke. I mean, it's not a fan of either Oppenheimer or killers of the, Flower there was, Moon. there was moments that were, that I loved. Mm -hmm. Like there was 15 or 20 minute segments in chunks of it where I'm like, Holy shit, this is Scorsese at, Full power, awesome. I agree. And then it just and then it just grinds to a halt for half an hour. Or, or things just, just happen that you're like they're building up, building up. What's going on? And then they just tell you, but it's like nothing. It's such and I know yes. perhaps look, no far be it from me to ever question Marty. This is a master <laughs> yeah, filmmaker, and I don't care what the fuck he says about Mar blah blah. You're, yeah. You just leave him alone, okay? This mm -hmm. is like people like leave Britney alone. I mean, like leave Marty alone. He's old. Um, seriously, but I did not enjoy that film. Nor do I think that being sick in a bed for two hours is a way to celebrate the native woman, uh, Lily. What's her What's her name? Lily. Lily Gladstone. Gladstone, who is. Who, when she does, when she does act, is great, but it's like three scenes. You know, they don't. Well, they, it's, it's, it's a lot of Leo with something in his mouth, like he's Marlon Brando in The Godfather, except it's on the bottom of his mouth instead of the top. I just figured that was his chew that he always has yeah. in, like when he's at the Oscars and all that. Well, he's yeah. also he's pushing his jaw. He's giving himself like an underbite on was purpose. This, it's was weird. this you that said this or somebody else that? Leo and Jesse Plemons' role should have been reversed. Was that you that said that? Yeah, I did say that. Well, that was originally what was supposed to happen. Oh, that that, sh that should have been the case. That was the originally, okay, originally, and this is minor spoilers for the movie, um, just the format of it. Instead of staying with in the town, right, which the film does basically the entire time. Yeah, with the exception of a couple scenes, maybe. Yes, right. The guy goes out or something. And when they travel to Washington or whatever, for, and then they're there in like yeah. two seconds and they come back. Um, yeah. Which could have been a whole movie within itself. But it was supposed to be that Leo was the Plemons character, the FBI guy. And it was yeah. more about, it was more of a classic from his perspective and we were told none of this stuff and De Niro was like an ethereal character who floated in and out of it. But really it was about the investigation. And then they said, no, we want it. Let's, let's 
root it more well, in I, the town and the people. But I, I, yeah, I think I had also heard that in the book, you don't find out who's behind it until the very end. Right. Which is so strange because the first 45 minutes or so, maybe it's hard to tell. It's a three and a half hour movie. They play that, right? They play that game of who's doing this, who's doing this. Even well, though- and I mean, I think it was better once you, I like that. That's a change. I, I think that was good. And like the first hour of the movie, I was really struggling. I had to pause it and go do things for a few minutes and come back. <laughs> like that whole first hour could have been compacted into five minutes. And I think it would have improved the whole movie, but yeah, it's, I, I just, um, but I, I appreciate it, but I didn't I would, love it. I would have, I, and just having Leo in that, and even if it would have been a, a smaller role, like Leo basically playing the Tom Hanks character from catch me if you can. And, and that small of a part, I think would have meant, meant so much more with, Clemens being the guy, the main guy. Yeah. But obviously, they're not going to do that because Marty and Leo love each other and whatever. So, or I could see, say, I could see a film too, Andy, where Leo was the brother. Oh yeah, and it was a little because that's an interesting character in that movie. All in all, it was an amazing production. The cinematography, the production yeah, design. Else, oh my that's... god, building out an entire town and and uh-huh. farms and the and. This, there were so many scenes that were amazing, and I could very well appreciate all of that. But for me, it just didn't work, and I feel the same way about Oppenheimer. I wasn't really bored. I thought Oppenheimer was kind of fun at certain points, and mm-hmm. um, I loved a lot of the actors and actresses in it. But overall, I just didn't think it worked. And that's just kind of where I'm at with that. Where again, my two favorite films of the year, Salt Burn and May December. L- fucking well, love those movies. One of those that I have also wanted to talk I have not seen May December yet, but I also know you haven't talked about Salt Burn on the podcast yet at all. Yeah. And that movie is nuts. Oh, you did see it. Yes, I watched okay. Saltburn. After you at your first rave about it on Facebook a couple weeks ago. I watched it, I don't know, 3 4 weeks ago at this point. So I have seen Saltburn. Okay. And it's I still don't I still have not stopped thinking about that movie. I don't know how much I loved it. I mean, the at uh, similar to Killers, it's definitely I mean, the filmmaking is awesome. I mean, the the set design is awesome, the directing is awesome, the acting is awesome. I'm just not some of this, I, I still can't quite wrap my head around if I love it or if I don't like it. You know what I mean? It's one of those movies that's going to sit with me for a very long time. Well, Ando, I think that that's a bit of the point, you know? Yeah, and for sure. I love this movie directed by Emerald Fennel, who also did Promising Young Woman, who, I, who my wife and I have been waiting to watch. We, want, we, need, we need to watch that. And, you know, I have never watched that either. That's I And I... After right after I finished this, the next night I went to look and it wasn't streaming anywhere currently because I want to watch. I want. I definitely want to watch it now, and I cannot wait to see more of this director. Let me tell you something, Ando. If you saw even just a picture of her, like look her up on IMDb, or also mm-hmm. she was in the show. Um, Wasn't she in Community or something like no, that? No, she was in Call the Midwife. Okay, I was thinking she was in some other show that I wouldn't expect, like a comedy. She has actually been acting for quite a long time, but mostly um, uh, like British stuff. Okay. Um, But yeah, she was in Call the Midwife and let's see. Oh, she's in Barbie. Oh, yeah. 
she's in Barbie and she was also in the crown. Yep. She played Camilla Parker Bowles in the crown. Uh, um, oh, there we but go. she's like so nice. And then you yeah. think like you made that movie. It's like, damn, <laughs> I want to talk to you, girl. Um, she's cool. Yeah, yeah. I loved Saltburn. I absolutely adored that movie. I thought the choice to shoot it in standard format too was weird, but interesting. I read some articles about it because when you're in wide uh, you really you'd think that you see more right but sometimes it actually it's it, it just stretches everything out so you can't yeah. concentrate on anything right it's like focus can there were a lot well, of directors it gives you a, focus it, it gives you this sense of unease too i mean yes you're, you're, it's like you it's one of those cool things it's like sometimes changing aspect ratios can work really great especially for something like it, it puts you uneasy and you can't really especially if you're not like us where you're analyzing all that crap, you're not really, most people are watching it and they're not going to realize why it feels weird because it's not something you see on the screen, even though it is on the screen. It's yeah, it's a cool choice. I think it also adds because we are now so 20 years from that being, I call it standard, right? Yep. From being and standard yeah. Yeah, that people, it gives a classic feel um, mm. even the, mm-hmm. the, the, the film that they used and the way they exposed it and the, and, and the, and the colors in it as well yeah. were very almost classical and the almost story color. Yeah. yeah. And the story in itself lends to that because of the estate and because it really is about the, you know, upstairs, downstairs and, and an upstart. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just, very much it's it i mean very much reminds me of a new version of talented mr ripley or something yes, like that it's there there are elements of that definitely the acting is fucking fantastic barry keoghan my irish brother <laughs> that jacob elordi who is a handsome yes. young man and also this always stunning rosamund pike yes oh, always yeah, stunning great. um and just like the this. righteous gemstones a crazy amount of male nudity yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. A lot of dicks just, in this movie. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Right. I don't, he's packing. He is packing. <laughs> and he's not afraid to show it yeah, off. There's I no would, doubt about let that. Let me tell you something, dude. I wouldn't either if it was 18 yeah, inches yeah, long guess, like his schlongo. You, you got it flaunted, I guess. See, right? he's putting that Irish stereotype to rest, folks. Okay. <laughs> he's on a one man mission to prove it all. He prove is. That he's thing done it. Yes. I was proud. You say. Wait, let me tell you, I was watching that with my wife, and there's a part where you see the schlong, you won't give it away, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" And she what did was your like, wife think of? What did your wife think of that movie? Oh, she loved it too. I, she I did? think she okay. loved it. I don't know. I actually, okay. actually, yeah, I think she did love it. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's uh, as like I said, it's a, a movie that I was just really, really. I know I'm fascinated by it. That's I, I'm great. curious to rewatch it, but I'm not ready to rewatch it. And that the makes thing, sense. And the thing, Andy, and I hope people. If you're listening and you haven't seen the movie, I don't think we've really spoiled anything for you. Um, It's very fun. That's the thing is I I think a a lot of times a film like this that's like independent film, right? Like indie actors and actresses in it. You and with it, like people are sharing memes or whatever, and ah, oh, you know, it's a <laughs> comedy drama thriller. But really, it is a fun movie. It is like two hours and ten minutes, and it feels like it's like an hour long. It just yep. breezes by. It's like well, really it's, fun. 
it kind of has the I don't like to use the word trashy because that makes it sound like I'm degrading it, but in a very yeah, good way. It's kitschy. Trashy. It's almost kitschy yeah. in a right. It's the same reason why I loved May December, which I suggest you see as well. And anyway, yes, it's on it's yeah, it's on my list to watch that it's one. It's a fun I just movie. Haven't had time yet. Yep. It's it's fun, you know. I think it's actually it's interesting. This movie is so English and May December so American. Uh, oh, but I think in a way they're talking about similar things, um, okay. a little more about fame and such in May, December, but yeah, cause May, December, I only know like the base, the basics of what the story is or the storyline is. So I don't really know anything about it other than what I've seen you talk about. So yeah, it's so good. I love it. I, I thought it was a fun and that's why I like both these movies. Like that's why a little bit why Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer to me seemed like people saying like they just they knew they yeah, that we're making a serious movie here. And I that's good. You and I love serious movies. God, I mean, 2001 is my favorite movie. That fucking thing is way overly serious. But <laughs> I, you, you, still, you know, my favorite part of killers of the flower moon is when uh robert de niro and and leo were talking to each other which there should have been way more of this and they were just Mm -hmm. kind of having fun right and Mm -hmm. and um and de niro says to him he says you like women don't you (laughs) right and and then leo goes (laughs) that's kind of my weakness i was cracking up i was like that's what i wanted at that to me like I think Scorsese at his best is Goodfellas, right? Yeah, not I like agree. the Silence or yep. or the Jesus Christ movie he made. Yeah, Last Temptation of yeah, Christ, last, or yeah. even Raging Bull, which is a great film. But I like. I think he's fucking funny as hell. Yep. Um, Bringing Out the Dead is one of my favorite of his films. Nicolas Cage. That movie is yeah. crazy, but it's also kind of hilarious as well. Yeah, his funny one. Like I think The Departed is really good. It's really funny. Yeah. I, I like. I love Wolf of Wall Street. I really like. It's a little oh, long, but it's hilarious. Yes, I it's mean, a comedy. He is a funny yeah. motherfucker, and I just, yep. I just, I don't know why. I wanted more, and I know people are like, you wanted more funny in the movie, blah, blah. It's a serious, th- I know it is, and I'm glad they made it good. Uh, I agree with all that stuff. But for me watching it, I just feel like you're so outrageous in this role. I just felt like DiCaprio should have had more fun with it. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, I'm still, like I said, I only watched it last night, so I'm still kind of processing it. Because it's ridiculous. It like, yeah, his it character is ridiculous in it, Andy. Like, yeah, when you oh, think about sure. it, no spoil. Yep. I don't want to spoil it, but when you, if you watch this movie and at the end of it, you think to yourself, what really happened in the movie? You're like, mm-hmm. this is fucking ridiculous that mm-hmm. this happened. And who yes. he was and how it went down. That there, it needed almost to be more satirical in a sense because it was such a, it was such a straightforward yet ridiculous story. Yes, exactly. Like it's an age-old story about people stealing and using other people, but the way yeah. in which it went about it is just very strange. Yeah, I it's yeah I'm not say one of definitely one of my least favorite Scorsese movies for sure. The. Well, I, uh, I, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying, I still do. I mean, the guy, that's, 
Yeah. I can barely get up by stairs and go tell the kid, you know, it's time for bed. Meanwhile, he's like fucking 80 years old going out and doing building whole towns and burning them down and being in charge of a $200 million budget. And yeah, that's a lot of stress. The guy knows what he's doing. And he did oh. all that cocaine back in the day, too. Jeez. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's still going. I don't know. It's Probably the, still uh, stuck in his beard. Another one that I know you've seen, and I don't think you've talked about this either, that I also loved was The Holdovers. Oh, my God. I thought this movie was absolutely... The, this I, I, I forget about this movie, um, but I love this movie. That goes along with... Uh, this is actually a pretty good... For me, a a good year of film because of the holdovers made December and Saltburn and not Barbie, which I watched a bit of. It was good. <laughs> it was okay. It's just not my thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. like it. I agree. I enjoyed with Barbie. It. I thought it was funny, but yeah, yeah it's I'm all but about yeah, holdovers. It. Holdovers. I really, really loved because I mean it. This was a, yeah. this is so a great good. example of what I was talking about about. Payne is great at this, Alexander Payne, the director, which is this is a serious movie about real people with real emotions. You are instantly transported to this world, but it is also one of the funniest movies of the year. Yeah. It's and all just, these people it, know they're weirdos too, which is awesome. It's that's part of the it's man, I just I could not I couldn't believe how much I love this movie because I'm always like the whole college coming of age, like dead poets, society, goodwill hunting kind of thing. I'm always kind of mixed on that genre. Cause I would definitely put that in this or put this in that genre, but a little bit reversed, I guess with instead of Robin Williams being the supporting character, his character in this is the lead, which I thought was a, oh, just okay. a, a cool. I, that's kind of how I think of it. I mean, I still like goodwill hunting obviously, but I, I kind of, to me, Paul Giamatti in this and Robin Williams are comparable characters, but in this, Paul Giamatti is the star instead of Robin Williams being the support. So it's, I just, and maybe it's just because I identify it more now because I'm way close. When I saw Good Will Hunting, I was closer to Matt Damon's age. And when I'm watching this, I'm closer to Paul Giamatti's age. But <laughs> I just, just, I just, I just, I thought, I thought this movie was just, I don't know, like brilliant. Like it's, I've recommended this to like everybody and there's yeah. not many movies I can do that with. Yeah, like Saltburn. I'm not going to recommend that to a lot of people just because I have no idea. I think Wait, never you didn't tell your mom again. and dad to watch Saltburn, Ando? <laughs> no, but it did tell them to watch the holdovers. Yeah, this is a this is definitely a heartfelt, beautiful. It's funny. It moves quick. It uh, it has some unexpected parts to it. It, it seems like. You're gonna, you know what you're getting into, but then it kind of changes it up a little bit. Giamatti yes. is one of our greatest American actors, um, save for a couple seasons of Billions. And I believe this is his dumb, first but... Oscar nomination, if you can believe that. Wait a second, I thought he was. Uh... I'm pretty sure he was snubbed for Sideways. Really? Yeah. Well, I have to say that Giamatti is a seasoned professional and a star. But the real revelation of the holdovers is a young man named Dominic Sessa, okay, who's yeah. fucking 20 years old, 21, <laughs> when they made this movie. 
by the way, from Cherry Hill, motherfucking New Jersey. Thank you very much. <laughs> Even though that is kind of South Jersey and he probably grew up with Philly channels, I'm still going to include him in the Jersey crew. This He was an actor at like NYU or, or no, he, he, no, he went to the school that they shot the movie at and they opened up auditions to people at the school and he landed the lead fucking role in this movie. Carnegie yes. Mellon. No, he went to Carnegie Mellon after he was oh, cast. After. Oh, after he was yes. cast. He got into oh. Carnegie Mellon. Yes. He may wow. have got into I don't know that all story, but he was a student at the school where they shot this in like I don't know where it was, New Hampshire or Rhode Island. I don't know. It was Yeah, I don't remember where they one of shot those little at. one of those little states up there near Jersey. Um let's see. Holdovers shooting and I, location. Well, you, I should correct myself. Paul Giamatti had a supporting actor nomination for Cinderella Man. Oh. He was not nominated for lead okay. actor ever. Okay. Barton Academy in Massachusetts. And he was a student there and he had acted in a bunch of student productions and he tried out for the film and he was cast as which I I mean, he's really the co-lead of the film. Oh, wait a second. He went, the, the Barton Academy is the name of the place in the movie he oh, was okay. at deerfield. deerfield deerfield academy okay deerfield academy is the real place wait a second google did you let me down google did you let me read something on the air that was not where was to hold the bart film entirely in massachusetts okay yeah, yeah this says that it was filmed in a couple different schools in massachusetts and the deerfield is where dominic sessa was at okay well that's the story and can you believe it? Because that kid is great in this movie and he is going to be a huge star. He's like a little bit of a skinnier, shorter Adam driver is kind yeah, of and, uh, how he strikes me. Who was I? There was somebody when I glanced at his picture. He also reminds me of uh, yeah Adam driver for sure. He also actually, I can't think of who the other person I was thinking of, but he looks like he stepped right out of the seventies too, which is yeah, crazy. He's got, he's got the look, man. He, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, I agree. He is going to be a massive, massive star. He's going to be star. a huge star. I just no Marvel movies, dude. Stick with the fucking good shit. <laughs> then do a Marvel movie later and just be an auxiliary character, make your money, and then yeah, rack up a few uh, a few indie spirit awards and things like that. Yeah, for a while. because he was so fun, and he's what really sucked me in. I mean, I am a sucker for any New England boarding school type situation. I'm a sucker. Uh -huh. I always want my high school was very much like that, even though it wasn't, it wasn't like sleepover, but it was yep. a small school in Jersey run by brothers of the sacred heart. And, um, it was felt, they made it like a kind of campus like that. The old stone buildings, yep. the church. And the, so I, and I loved high school. So I, always and when i was in high school i was always like gosh i wish this i wish this was like a boarding school so i could just stay here all the time just stay here yeah yeah actually i really liked it um but i'm a sucker for it and this film fulfills all of that i think you know what you know what gave me that is actually it's funny is taps which is not a movie that you think 
you know, is like highlighting yeah. why you'd want to stay at boarding school. <laughs> yeah. But I God, love I thought about taps forever. Okay. And that was actually shot at the sporting school that our good friend, A-Hustler, otherwise known as Aaron Otto, went to for four years. Where they did taps? Where taps yeah. was? Yep. The school that really? they shot taps at. Valley Forge Military Academy, where also, who else went there? Michael Lombardi, who we all listened to. (laughs) Our good friend from the GM Shuffle. Yep, Michael Lombardi went to Valley Forge Military Academy, and that is where Aaron Otto went to, uh, I think, high school. I think maybe even before. He went went there five or six years, I think. Wow. Huh. Can you believe that? A Dash Hustler went to Valley Forge, went to a military academy. You'd never know that if you walked into that dude's apartment or house. <laughs> Fucking got it all out of his system when he was young, and then now it's messy, motherfucker. Completely got well. I only have one more movie I want to talk oh, about. Oh, this is a, a long one, Ando. Hit me. Yes, this will be this will be quick because it's a movie everybody has seen many, many times. And I, you know, like Solo, I am a huge physical media guy. Well, over the years on Blu-rays, they always have a little thing that comes with they well, not always, but a lot of times they have a little thing that comes with it that says digital code, digital code available. So you can redeem a copy of it on iTunes or something like that. So you can watch it whenever you want on your iPad or whatever it is. Well, this last couple months ago or so, it was announced that James Cameron was ma- putting a bunch of his movies, converting them to 4K and having 4K releases. Oh, and, uh, I know what you're going to say. I had read an article that said, some of your digital copies of older movies may have been switched over to the 4K cuts. Oh, what? So I'm like, huh, that's interesting because I had a digital copy of the old Blu-ray of Aliens. So I went on to my iTunes and, and lo and behold, I have seen the 4K cut remaster of Aliens now. I have it. And it looks like an entirely new movie. Like I was so, I was concerned about it because Aliens always has all that grain. In, and it yeah. kind of like if they take all that grain, it's not going to look right. It looks amazing. It looks like it oh, was made I'm yesterday. Sure. I'm sure. I am. Okay. I mean, James Cameron, of course, is not going to let something be released unless it's perfect. But it's just I just had to mention it because it looks amazing. And I know uh, since we're getting closer to that Aliens TV show, which I also agree we need to podcast that thing by Noah Hawley. I yeah. was thinking about it during Fargo, but. The, I just wanted to bring up Aliens. It still is awesome, and oh, the new yeah. 4K cut when it gets released is definitely worth checking out. It looks like an entirely new film in, a, in an awesome way. Nice. One of, one of my greatest film-going experiences ever is opening night, or it actually it was a preview. It was the night before in Long Beach oh. Island going to see Aliens, which is like a packed theater, and it was like 100 degrees. God, I wish I could have seen that in a theater. That oh. was nuts, man. That was <laughs> nuts. People were going nuts during that movie. It's- such an awesome and movie, i was so. only a kid i mean i had seen alien but i didn't really understand all the connections or what i was getting into or you know what's well, a freaking it's it's like the ultimate version of a roller coaster movie i mean it is oh, such a man. up and down and up and down and then the, it just keeps going up 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 before the big drop and man wow. there's a million scenes i could just say how much i love that scene so James Cameron. Awesome, awesome movie. What a weird motherfucker, but he really does make some good movies. Not a huge fan of Avatar. Wish he would spend time, not 20 years making fucking Avatar, but that's his decision, I guess. Well, I'm, a, I'm afraid it's either Avatar or it's more documentaries. 
I like his documentaries better. Honestly, I, well, some of them I, I've watched <laughs> most of them, I really and do. his some of his docs are good, but some of them I'm like, eh, I don't. You didn't really need the. Yeah, it, it's a little. They're also a little bit like I went to the bottom of the fucking ocean. Yeah, That's me, yeah, James a, Cameron. Yep. <laughs> With right? a submarine like, I yeah. paid for because of all those 13-year-old <laughs> girls that saw Titanic 37 times in the yeah, theaters. He's, I mean, uh, it's, he's a weird dude, man. Yeah, yeah. An environmentalist well, when to the core, but God, he loves guns. He just when loves guns. <laughs> when you're that rich, you can be as weird as you want, I guess. Yeah, what the hell can true. you say? And he's still married to um, – the this the remember uh, the actress Isn't I can't the, remember her the name. The actress from is the one from Titanic. Yeah, she because he's been married three or four times. No, the, yeah, but this is he's. I think he's been married to her for a very long time now. Because get like Gail Ann Hurd, who is his producing partner, who he was yeah. married to. I think Linda Hamilton, he was married to too yeah. for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, but and that's the thing too is. All of his wives still work with him and remain yeah. friends with so he must be a good dude. Well, you know, he I don't I mean, know. Or he's so one of powerful. the few got well, I mean, there's a lot more recently, but he was for the longest time he was one of the few people that actually would uh give women a role where they were could be could be actual real people yeah. in like in an action movie. Yep. I mean, most of the time in an action like in a Stallone or a Schwarzenegger, the wife was just some side character that he'd Kiss when they got home good night and they didn't do anything else. And his women are kicking ass, yeah. whether it's Ripley or Sarah Connor or who, whoever. He was married to Gail Ann Hurd, who we know is a producer for four years in the 80s. Then he was married to Catherine Bigelow for two years. Oh, Linda Hamilton. Bigelow, that's right. Linda Hamilton for two years. And then he married Susie Amos Cameron, who you'd recognize. She was, she was a child actress, too. Um, yeah, she, she was, was the... She was the granddaughter of Rose in Titanic, yes. the ones on the, on the the Bill Paxton yep. scenes she was in, and they've yep. been married for twenty three years. So, yeah. well, that's yeah, it's he's fascinating. He's been married guy, five sure. times, but one of those marriages lasted twenty three years. So, I guess he found the right. He, he was right, right? Like he found the right yep. one. Eventually, found the right one. They, I know they still like say Hamilton still is friendly with him. Big, he produced a bunch of Bigelow's movies after they got divorced. So, it, yeah, Hurt, Gail and Hurt still produces for him. So. Yep. Oh, but he does not like to be alone. Check this out. He was married from 78 to 84, then 85 <laughs> to 89, 89 to 91. Oh, mm-hmm. then he, okay. Then he was alone for six years from 90, then 97 to 99 and then 2000. Yeah. So he was like, I need to get married again. <laughs> well, Oh, yeah, good old, good old James Cameron. So that's that's all I have. All right. That oh, that's all you to... have. An hour and fifty minutes later. Okay. Is it an hour and fifty minutes? Oh wow, it is. Wow. Well, I guess everybody that's listening for True Detective gets a good. Uh, this is a good uh, indicator of what we a lot of yeah. times talk about. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's it's my pleasure, Ando. You're the best, brother. And. Um, <laughs> Yeah, check us out, DVRpodcast.com. We're going to be back. Oh, I was going to say, oh. I was going to say one other thing. Speaking of the top 10 podcasts we're going to do next week, I am, I have something fun planned for the Facebook page. I have, I will have a history of daily DVR top 10s that <gasps> we're posting every day. Wow, you're the best. I love that. Well, Thank you know, you. there was a while, a while back when you and Solo did one of your podcasts, and for some reason, I don't know why you came up, but you dredged up an old email that I had sent you. Where you listed off my top ten from like 2016 or what, whatever year that was? Oh, that's because I was looking in my email. Yeah, I was looking <laughs> at the list. I'm like, huh? That and I, I listened to it and I'm like, 
I should go back and see if I still have some of those things. So I, because uh, for every year I've made like an overall list for us for what our communal top ten is. So they will be, I will be sprinkling them out through the week in anticipation of next week's top ten show. So, awesome. And you can also check us out on Around the Couch, our NFL podcast. We'll be back next week to have a good time chatting about the uh, conference championships. We'll back with True Detective. And uh, after Around the Couch, we'll still do a little True Detective. And then I don't know what we're doing past then. we got to find another show to talk Actually, about. Actually, I think True Detective is the finale on the same week as the Super Bowl. It's only three weeks away. The show's only like six episodes, right? Yeah. And the it might so, be the same night as the Super Bowl. The finale might be. Yeah, we'll see. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. Andy, thank you so much for spending time with me today, pal. It's always great. Thanks for having me. This was fun, as always. Yep. All right, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>